Lord, would you give us a good time in your word today? Would you remind us through your word, through even the environment we find ourselves in, the noises, even the interruptions, that you're a God who can be trusted. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, hey, if you just opened your eyes after prayer, you'd be, you, you, we, we were back outside again. Um, here we are one more time. Uh, last time I was afraid to be attacked by a wild animal. This time I'm nearly certain of it. Um, there have been birds everywhere. I may fall in the water, all that stuff. Um, we may have, I'm going to be talking, so maybe not, but uh, I don't know if you can see that tree in the distance. There's been a, a bald eagle up there uh, a couple of times in the last 15, 20 minutes. So um, we'll see what happens. You never know. This, this could be... Uh, this could be more memorable than I intended. Um, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be this morning. Again, we're in a series where we're trying to fill you with hope. Uh, not false hope. Uh, we're not trying to tell you, you know, just grin and bear it. Uh, this too will pass. That, that is not uh, the hope that we're trying to give to you. We're trying to give you real hope that you can grab onto. Real hope you can anchor in for each day. And so today we're going to do that out of Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to use the very words of Jesus uh, to do that. Um, so, so the verse that keeps coming up, um, it's come up in a, a number of online resources that I've used. It's come up in a number of messages that I've listened to. Uh, it's out of Proverbs chapter 12. And it says this, Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. And so today, that's our goal. Uh, the next couple of weeks, that's our goal, is, is we want to encourage you. Now, I could cheer you up by telling a stupid joke, by doing some slapstick humor and falling into the water, which there's still hope for. Uh, we're not done yet. Um, I, I, could, I could do something like that. I, I, I mean, there's all kinds of superficial, tiny, finicky ways that I can uh, encourage you. But uh, in reality, the only encouragement that brings real hope is the encouragement of the truth of God's Word. And so today, I hope that's the good word that cheers you up. So Matthew 6, listen, we're, we're an anxious people to begin with as Americans. Uh, we are a privileged people. Uh, we have experienced um, just the, the incredible amount of blessings that so many people before us or in other areas of the world just have never experienced. So we're such a privileged people, and we hold on to those privileges with, with such tight, clenched hands that as as soon as it begins to slip from us we begin to freak out honestly and 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 that's our culture i mean we we worry about the craziest things i mean we do We, we worry about our jobs we worry about our workplaces our homes our families we worry about our children we worry about our children's teeth we worry about the sports teams our children are playing for. We worry about the college we hope our children will get into. We worry about if our children will ever move out of the house or if they're going to move back into the house. We worry if their teeth are going to be crooked or straight. We worry if we're going to like their spouse. We worry. We just worry. We are filled with anxiety. I heard a statistic quoted uh, this week that in the last 100 years, from generation to generation, anxiety has more than tripled from generation to generation. We are an anxious people. So now, on top of all that normal anxiety we experience, put on top of that a virus, a pandemic. And, and now the anxiety and worry and, and, and fear just ratchets up that much more. And so today what I want to do is, looking at Matthew 6, I, I want us to settle. <laughs> I, I want us to to fix our anchor uh, in a different place. Or as Jesus says, 
I want you to take a look at your heart and figure out where your treasure is. This is why, look at chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says this, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says, I want you to look at where your treasure is. Don't allow it to be in the fickle. Don't allow it to be in the things that fluctuate, that change, that are jello-like. Instead, I want your treasure to be a place where moths can't get to it, where rust can't affect it, and where thieves can't steal it. Because what's going to happen is, if your treasure is in something movable, the natural thing to happen is your heart gravitates towards what you treasure. Your heart naturally will do that. I do that when I travel with my wife. If we're going to a different church or a different function and I'm speaking, I will always be able to pick out where she is. I do that at Uniontown. When we are meeting at Uniontown, I know exactly where my wife is almost all the time. Um, she is pretty quick uh, for a pretty little girl. I mean, she's, she's speedy, so she zips around a lot, but I find her eventually. She'll never escape. <laughs> that wasn't too creepy. Sorry, dear. I love you. Um, the, the, the reality, though, is my heart just gravitates to where she is. Your heart will gravitate to where your treasure is. So if your treasure is vulnerable, so is your heart. And what, what Jesus is saying is don't allow your treasure to be something that's changeable, something that's, that's fickle, something like jello. Because if you attach your heart to those, you're just asking for trouble. You're just asking for trouble. He continues in verse 22. The eye of the lamp, sorry, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So no one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What Jesus is saying is you need a singular treasure. It can't just be the right treasure. It's got to be singular. The idea of your eye being healthy means your eye sees singularly. It's got, it's got focus. It's, it can see. And, and your, your eye being unhealthy means it's double vision. You get this double vision that happens. So, so, and, and what he's really saying is, is how uh, healthy your vision is. It's going to affect your entire body. So apply it this way. You're out back playing baseball, throwing a ball back and forth, throwing a ball back and forth. Well, if you can focus singularly and that ball comes, you can catch it. However, if you have double vision, you have to guess which ball to catch. And it's going to affect your body if you pick the wrong one, or at least it's going to affect your face if you pick the wrong one. And so Jesus is saying that the eye has got to be singularly focused. You cannot have a dual focus. No man can serve both. No man can go either way. You've got to have a singular focus as a treasure, because if you don't, it's going to bring fear, worry, and anxiety. Having the wrong treasure brings those things. Now, let me, maybe I need to define some things before we move on. Um, it's really important you understand how I'm defining anxiety um, and how Jesus is defining anxiety, even in, in his word here. So let me, let me define it a little bit further. I find this definition of anxiety and worry. It's a fear of facing the consequences of not receiving something you intensely desire. A fear of facing the consequences of not receiving something that you intensely desire. So, so with that definition, there's this implied sorrow and anguish that is headed your way, right? I mean, I'm not going to get what I want. I'm not going to get what. So the fear, the anguish, the sorrow is going to come my way. And, and that's your basic definition of anxiety and worry. I, I want this. I'm not going to get it. And it builds up. It builds up. It builds up. And that's not to be confused <laughs> with something that is very 
common today, known as general anxiety disorder. General anxiety disorder is a physical disorder where normal fears and worries compound for one reason or another. It's a normal fear, it's a normal concern, it's a normal worry, it just builds up and builds up and builds up to the place where it becomes a physical ailment that causes a multitude uh, of symptoms. Uh, It it can be insomnia, it can be um, depression, uh, it can be chronic fatigue syndrome. All these different things can flow out of the general anxiety disorder. I think the best description of that disorder that I've ever heard is... um, is, is having the sense that your feelings, your emotions, are trying to murder you. That's what general anxiety disorder is. And that's, that's a clinical, physical ailment. And it is not what Jesus is talking about. It's so important that you recognize that because if you, if you think, I have general anxiety disorder, it has all these physical symptoms, and then Jesus says this about my general anxiety disorder, man, it is going to crush you. <laughs> that is not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about an anxious concern or an anxious worry based on the potential for misfortune. Anxious worry or concern based on the potential of misfortune. And every single one of us wrestles with that, right? To one degree or another, we've got fears, we've got concerns that, hey, if this happens then, and, and those aren't in itself sin, right? If we keep those under control, those aren't sin. What they should do is drive us to trust more. Psalm 56, um, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. So, so while these worries aren't necessarily sin, what we do with them can fall into the, the camp of sin. And what, what I think Jesus is telling us is, when you treasure wrong things or multiple things, then what happens is you end up losing perspective on life and you stop trusting God. And when you lose perspective on life and stop trusting God, then you've crossed over into the area of sin. And Jesus says that can be avoided if you would just have the right treasure. If you would just have the the right treasure. So what is the right treasure? Look at Matthew 6, verse 33. It says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You want to know what the right treasure is? Seek him first. You, you seek him. That's what it means to be having the right treasure. Now, to seek him doesn't mean uh, you're looking for something that wasn't there to begin with. It doesn't mean looking for something like you've lost it before, like you're looking for your, your car keys. To seek it means to overcome obstacles, overcome uh, inconvenience in order to attain something that is attainable. So a picture for you. One of our favorite employees, I will call her an employee because she does a job. She's a volunteer, but she does a fantastic job at what she is called to do. Her name, many of you know her, is Erin Baldwin. Now, Erin Baldwin comes in once a week and, and she serves us by being our designated shredder. So she takes all of our documents that need to be shredded, anything that, that needs, and she is the one who feeds it into those machines and just chops, 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 chops them up, right? So Aaron will come in. That was a little aggressive for chopping it up. I apologize. <laughs> but Aaron will come in once a week, and when she comes in, she gets set up. She gets her, her shredders ready. She gets her music ready. She's a big Michael W. Smith fan, okay? So we get to hear the music when she's in, and she goes that. She collects the papers that we've gathered for her, and she just shreds. And when she starts shredding, I mean, it, it, it is just, you, you want to make sure that you don't get any loose clothing close because there are just dust of paper flying everywhere, shreds of paper flying around. She's just feeding that thing and just shredding it and shredding it and shredding it. And she finishes what's in front of her. And you know what she does next? 
she walks around the office and she asks a very simple question. Do you have any more paper? Do you have any more paper? Now, we haven't provided it. We haven't put it in the box of shredding, but, but she knows. She's been around long enough. She knows we have paper that needs to be shredded. So she'll come around and ask, do you have any more paper? Now, something I do need to point out is when you say yes, it's like you just gave her lifetime access to Disney. Or, or you gate told her, you can have all the ice cream in the world, Erin, because the smile that comes across her face, because she has found more paper to shred, it's just overwhelming to her. She's just so enthusiastic about it. That's what it means to seek him. And you know it's, he's there. He's not hiding from you. And, and, and I'm going to overcome every inconvenience. I'm going to make it a priority of my day to find him, to get more paper. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come towards him. And the beautiful thing, we just studied it in James chapter 4 this week in our devotional. When you draw near to God, he doesn't run away from you. When you draw near to God, he draws near to you. See, we need to be marked as a people who seek him, who, who have an overriding persistence in our pursuit of him. We, we need to be a people who are addicted to his word. We need to be a, a people who are constant in prayer, who are regular in worship. We need to be a people who are consistently sharing the, the hope we have in Jesus Christ to a world that's around us. That's what it means to seek him. That, that's what it means. Make him your treasure. Don't, don't let anything that is so fickle, so changing. I tell you what, the people who make sports their treasure have got to be miserable right now. I, <laughs> you know it's coming. I know it's coming. My patriots. What? I, but if they were my treasure, I would be miserable. I really don't care. It's fun to joke about. Um, it used to be fun to celebrate. I don't think I get to celebrate for a while. I have that funny feeling. But they're not my treasure. So, so don't make your treasure sports. Don't make your treasure the stock market. Don't make your treasure any of those things. Don't even make your treasure your children. The things that are so uh, not solid, not foundational, not bedrock. When you make your treasure those things, then what you are doing is you're creating anxiety and worry in your life. Make your treasure something or rather someone who never moves. And it's him. Seek him first. Look at verse 25. I tell you, don't worry about your life, about what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? He says, listen, don't worry about those things. You're, you're worth way more than that. You're worth more than what you eat, what you drink, your body, your clothing. But don't worry about those things. Don't worry about what is that for you? Is it your job? Is it your children's success? Is it a car? Don't allow those things to be your focus. You are about more than just those things. If you fix your treasure on those, if those become your treasure, then I'm going to tell you right now, you are going to be filled with anxiety and worry. And what Jesus says is your worry is a waste of time. Look at verse 27. Can any of you add one moment to your lifespan by worrying? The answer is no. <laughs> Have you ever grown an extra inch because you were worried about how tall you were? No. I'll, I'll be honest with you. The, the reality in my life is the things that I worry about usually are the things that don't happen. And, and so now what I've done is I've wasted the opportunity. I've wasted the moment to invest in what's happening right in front of me by worrying about the what ifs and but ifs and all of those. And in reality, none of them actually happen. And that's what Jesus says. You're 
Worry is a waste of time. So what are you supposed to do when you find yourself filled with worry? Well, I've got a suggestion for you. Jesus gives it to us here in verse 26. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? When you worry, what is it that you're supposed to do? Here, go on a walk. Go on a walk. Take a look at the birds. The birds aren't losing their minds. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They're not freaking out. The flowers aren't like, I'm not sure what I'm going to wear today. No, no, that's just, that's, God's already taken care of them, hasn't he? And what he says right here is, is, if that's how God treats those things that are temporal, how how much more will he take care of you, who he affixes eternal value to? Well, how how does God affix eternal value to me? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) How does he fix eternal value to you? He created you. He loves you. And even though after he created you and loves you, you sinned against him, creating a separation between you and him that you can't fix. A a separation that is going to be eternal. But God didn't leave you alone in your separation. Instead, no, he, he came to you as Jesus, the image of the Father came, Jesus Christ, his one son. And he came and he lived without sin. He came and he, he paid the penalty of your debt, of your sin, even though he never sinned. And he did that by dying for you. And he was buried. And he rose again on the third day, victorious and triumphant over sin, over death, over the grave, so that anyone who, who would turn away from their sin and confess Jesus as their Savior can overcome that separation. Jesus can bring them into the presence of the Father for all of eternity. That's how he affixed eternal value on you. I, I, that's John three sixteen. It's a verse that everybody knows. God definitely shows eternal value in you. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, wouldn't live in eternal separation from him, but instead would have everlasting life. See, God affixes eternal value for you. He he provided for your greatest need. And if he did that, how much more will he take care of you right now? It's the it's the Disney illustration. If if mom and dad are willing to drop a, a couple hundred dollars on tickets for Disney and then are willing to pay the airfare to get there and then are willing to pay for the hotel stay and then are willing to pay for the rental car and they're willing to stand in line with you for five hours in 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 100% humidity and 95 degree temperatures to ride on the back of a plastic Dumbo well then how dare you child look at mom and dad and whine from your heart I'm hungry aren't you gonna get us dinner Look at everything else they did for you. Of course they're going to take care of your dinner. Look around at what God has done for you. Of course he's going to take care of you. You can trust him in the middle of our situation right now because he considers you to have eternal value. Verse 31, don't worry, saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? 
The Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. There, there, you can trust Him because your Father knows what you need. He's not surprised by what you need. He sees what you need, and He knows what you need better than you know what you need. You can trust Him because He knows exactly what you need. But on top of that, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Not only does He know what you need, He's going to provide exactly what you need. Not everything you want, not everything you think you need. He's going to provide for you everything you need. And he can do that because everything's his. And his supply will never run out. You will never walk the aisles of God's grocery store and find an empty shelf. Uh, He'll never (laughs) run out of toilet paper. I still don't understand that. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but you walk the aisles, you find... A lot of things missing that you're like, okay, that explains a lot about the American culture. No ice cream. Hmm, we're going to weigh a bazillion pounds by the time this thing is done because all we're doing is eating. And, and I'll just leave it there. I'll just stop. I could get myself in trouble, and I'm not going to get myself in trouble. But, but you will never walk the aisles of God's grocery store and find an empty shelf because everything belongs to him. He will never run out. Ephesians 2 says, For all of eternity, God will display his immeasurable grace on you. Uh, John Piper, I heard him say in a sermon once, when eternity ends, God will have run out of ways to show his kindness to you. He will never run out. His immeasurable riches of grace are continually poured out. And you can trust him because he affixes eternal value to you. You can trust him because he knows exactly what you need. You can trust him because he's going to give you exactly what you need. And I could stop there, and, and, and I will in a moment. But, but, but verse 34 probably is the most encouraging out of all these verses. In a day and age where every time you turn on the news, which I would suggest you do it less and less throughout this, every time you turn on the news, you find something else you're supposed to freak out about. You find something else that's going to happen tomorrow. I got to do what tomorrow? And, and, and it overwhelms you, and it can bring about that anxiety and that worry as you think about tomorrow. What Jesus says in verse 34 is this don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And don't, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about the what ifs. Don't worry about the but whens. Don't worry about the how wills. I've got great news for you about tomorrow. No matter how insurmountable it may seem, God's already there. God's going to provide for you the strength and the wisdom for tomorrow. Tomorrow. He's not going to give it to you today. What he gave you today is for today. If he gave you what you needed for tomorrow, if he gave that to you right now, you know what that would mean tomorrow? You don't need him. Why would he do that? I mean, that's, that's back in, in, in the Exodus as the children of Israel are making their way through the wilderness and, and God provides manna for them. And he says, you go and you take what you need for today. Don't take any more. Don't take any more. No leftovers. That is not how this works. And the people are like, you crazy? I'm going to do this all at once and I'm going to store it up. And then the next morning they got up and all the extra that they had taken that was supposed to provide for them that day had rotted. Why would God do that? Because if they were allowed to go and get the the supplies for the entire week, then that meant they just needed to trust God one day. God said, no. No, you need to depend on me every day. And the good news is you can because he's already there. So as the worry and the anxiety continue to, to build up in us, as the fear mounts against us, ask yourself this question, where's my treasure? Where's my heart naturally gravitate towards? As I think about the thing that I'm most worried about losing, what is it? 
What is the thing that I lose sleep over? What is the thing that, that gives me the greatest emotional response at the thought of losing it? What is the thing that I've spent the most money, time, energy, effort, resources on? That's your treasure. So, so as you begin to feel anxiety and worry, then I'm going to encourage you just to stop for a moment and evaluate what is your treasure. Is it on him? Are you seeking him first and foremost above and beyond everything and anything else? Is it knowing that in the middle of your need, you're going to come face to face with the one who has a fixed eternal value to you, who already knows what you need and is ready to provide it, who's going to be there tomorrow because his mercies are new every morning? See, you can trust him. He values you. He knows you. He loves you. Friends, let me, let me encourage you, church. Make him your treasure. Let him carry you through these days. He's trustworthy. Would you trust him? Our great God and Father, I am so thankful for this moment just to be recalibrated on who you are. I'm thankful for your love for us, your care for us, your provision for us. I thank you mostly for your provision of a Savior in Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Spirit who remains with us to comfort us in difficult times, to point us to Jesus. I pray that today we would follow his leading and run to the throne of grace and wash in the provision, wash in your care, wash in the grace that by all accounts is immeasurable. Would you lift our weary hands, strengthen our weak knees, Give us what we need for today. It's in Jesus' good name I pray. Amen.